up quick at about noon. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, subscribing, and for listening here to the Friday, July 31st edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. The day after the NBA season gets underway, man, there's plenty to talk about here. The Sacramento Kings are in action tonight against the San Antonio Spurs, but it sure feels like the Sacramento Kings got a win last night. Thanks to the Utah Jazz, we'll break down the two games that we've got there. We'll hear from the Memphis Grizzlies, I think for the first time. This is the first time I've seen a quote like this from Ja Morant. And I got to be honest, I don't think Ja is wrong. I'll share with you what he said in just a little bit. Nothing to worry about with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, says Stephen Jones, because you know Jerry's still in hiding. Uh, also, Major League Baseball continues to get every single thing they do wrong. Let's start with basketball because we're all thrilled that basketball is back. And man, what a moment it was last night. You know, the demonstrations before both games, every single player, every single coach, everybody single, every single person involved with the league took a knee before the national anthem for both games. Uh, And on the day of John Lewis's funeral, I thought it was an incredibly powerful moment for the NBA. I thought it was an incredibly powerful moment uh, for those players. Um, I don't know what that gesture continues to look like moving forward and I I don't really know I don't know the power behind the gesture anymore I think there was power in the fact that everybody did it because if you're willing to acknowledge what the gesture of kneeling during the national anthem means and you're willing to rewind yourself four years and you're willing to listen to what Colin Kaepernick said and you're willing to listen to him talk about why he did it and you're willing to listen to the fact that it was Nate Boyer who influenced his decision to take a knee rather than to sit on the bench while the national anthem was playing, then you'll understand what a, uh, a truly powerful moment that was uh, before both games. Uh, we don't need to you know, dig into and rehash like we've talked about it on a number of occasions here on this podcast, but I was uh, very moved to see everyone involved in the games, and I'm curious to see if that continues, if each team does that before their first game. Uh, I don't imagine that's going to be something that the teams do before every single game, but maybe it is. Uh, Who knows? But uh, it was great to have the NBA uh, back at it last night. Uh, The Lakers seem to pick up right where they left off. They beat the Clippers, and that pretty much locks things up. I mean, things were pretty well locked up coming into the restart, but the Lakers now have a a six-and-a-half game lead over they now have a six and a half game lead over the Clippers. They just need to win one more game and they're locked up. Like they're, they're good. And I said yesterday, and I'm s- still am genuinely curious about what their approach will be uh, the rest of the season. Uh, but they came out there. It, it, it looked like a regular season game ye- yesterday and it looked like a regular season game that very much mattered to them. And I questioned whether that would be the case. I wondered like, are they, are they going to treat it as a, as a seating game? I wondered if last night's game is going to be treated differently than the other seven games. Because it's TNT, it's the first night's back, all eyes on. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure, but they came to play yesterday. And I don't know, again, oh, you're supposed to have this great big grand take about what you saw last night. I don't know what to take away from it. I know that LeBron struggled. He had just 16 points on 6-19 shooting. But he did have a, you know, he did have a go-ahead shot in the final 15 seconds. He did have a a go-ahead field goal in the final 15 seconds. That was his first, by the way, as a Los Angeles Laker. And, like, okay, like, there's that. You had Anthony Davis, who was just a monster last night, 16-17 on free throws. He had 34 points. It was his 20th 30-point game this season. 
he was phenomenal. The, the Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the first pair of Laker teammates to each record 20, 30-point games in a single season since Shaq and Kobe did it in 02 and 03. On the other side, we were talking about yesterday as we were previewing the game, how great, how great, silly wabbit, how great Kawhi Leonard has been against the Los Angeles Lakers. And, spoiler alert, if you didn't see the game, he was great last night. 28 points. Um, that was his fourth 25-point game of the season just against the Lakers. Um, Paul George, great last night. 30 points. You know, one thing that should be noted about the two games you know, is is four and a half months without playing, you know, meaningful basketball. We had two games decided by two points. I mean, it was it was, it was spectacular. It was it was great, great basketball. We saw two comebacks. We saw two big runs. You know, late late in in each of the games, like it was great, great stuff. Paul George looked really good. I, you know. I I still like the Clippers. Like, I'm not down on the Clippers after last night's game. I was never down on the Lakers. But I'm not down on the Clippers after the loss yesterday. I think it would have been a far more impactful win for the Clippers than it was a win for the Lakers. But it, it, none of that matters. What's going to matter is if these, te- these two teams match up in the Western Conference Finals. What's going to matter if these two teams, you know, match up, you know, two months from now. That's what's going to matter. Uh, but I thought both teams, I thought all of the stars looked good. You know, LeBron, not particularly well on the offensive end. But overall, LeBron, AD, Kawhi, Paul George, that's what you want in NBA basketball, right? That's what you want in these receding games. That's what you want. That's what you wanted to be reminded of. We had a star-studded night of basketball, and the stars played like stars. Zion Williamson played like a star, sort of. See, Kings won last night. I know the Kings' first game is tonight, but the Kings won last night. Jazz beat the Pelicans 106-104. They were down 16. That was their largest deficit. Actually, it matches their largest deficit of the season. It matches their largest comeback win of the season, I should say. For the Pelicans, it was their largest blown lead of the season. So there were all sorts of uh, all sorts of notes coming out of that game, uh, coming out of that first NBA game last night, but no note bigger in the fact that uh, Zion Williamson, who spent uh, a great deal of time outside of the bubble, he spent a great deal of time away from the Pelicans dealing with a family emergency, did not play the final seven minutes and 19 seconds. And that was quite the talking point uh, yesterday amongst NBA critics all over social media. It's worth pointing this out. I mean, I know you don't want the facts to get in the way of a good hot take on Twitter, but... Yeah, it's accurate. Zion Williamson was subbed out with seven minutes and 19 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and he didn't play again. He had 13 points in the 15 minutes that he played. Obviously incredibly efficient. Six of eight from the field. Can't ask for much more than that, right? Okay. The Pelicans were outscored by 16 points when Zion was on the floor. You hear me? I'm going to repeat that again. Zion Williamson, six of eighteen, uh, six of eight from the field, incredibly efficient. Thirteen points in fifteen minutes. Right, we got that. The Pelicans were outscored by sixteen points when Zion was on the court. 
So the reason Zion didn't come back is because, and they said this before the game, it was put out to the media. There were reports. There were push alerts. Bleacher Report was talking about it. Woj was talking about it. Champs was talking about it. Everybody was noting that Zion Williamson was going to be playing a limited amount of minutes, and I believe that the term Alvin Gentry used before the game is he was going to play in spurts. So I guess his spurt in the fourth quarter was done, and they made the decision, Alvin Gentry made the decision that, He was done for the game. From a coaching perspective, it's not a horrible decision. Like, I I understand, you know, um, we we love the hypothetical game. And we, we could have stomached, as fans and as critics, we could have stomached the loss easier for the Pelicans if Zion was out there on the floor. But if that essentially we're talking about a plus minus. If that minus 16 that Zion had in the game yesterday, in the 15 minutes that he plays, grows to, so there's seven minutes left. Let's say he gets a two-minute break. So let's say it goes to 20 minutes, and that minus 16 goes to minus 22. You don't think that's going to be pointed out to Alvin Gentry in in, in the post-game press conference? You don't think someone's going to ask on that Zoom call, hey, uh, coach, did you... Did you notice that Zion was minus 22? Did you consider sitting him the five final five minutes of the game considering, you know, how bad they've been playing with him in the game? Like you were kind of in a lose-lose situation and you know maybe 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 with a star like Zion you just got to ride it out and you got to have him out there on the floor. But Alvin Gentry said, we're going to play him in spurts. There's a certain way we're going to do this and we're gonna, there's a certain way we're going to ease him into this. It, just the the flaw because I, I don't have any problem with that. But the flaw in that perspective, that flaw in that strategy is you don't have time. You don't have time to ease him into anything. The Pelicans needed to win last night. And I think there's an argument. But that's all that's going to be here is, is an argument. It's not going to be anything else. It's a hypothetical. We're armchair quarterbacks. There's an argument that Alvin Gentry actually provided the Pelicans with the best chance of winning because of the way Zion was playing, because of the way Zion's teammates were playing, because of the way the Pelicans were playing when Zion was on the floor. They weren't good. As good as he was, and those numbers look spectacular. 13 points in 15 minutes, except when you look a little bit deeper and realize, well, something was... Something was going wrong because that lineup with Zion Williamson in it was getting demolished by the Utah Jazz. There were jokes all over Twitter last night that the the um, the virus portal has been closed because Rudy Gobert scored the first basket of the NBA restart. Not only did he score the first basket of the NBA restart, uh, he hit what wound up being the game-winning free throws. So the the portal is closed, I guess, and we're all safe, uh, thanks to Rudy Gobert. Pa- perhaps just the just the NBA is safe. Um, the story of yesterday's game, the story of of game number one is Zion Williamson. I mean, when you have a star that 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 level of Zion, that's what you're going to be talking about. And there's there's a lot of good to take away. The efficiency, you know, 13 points on the six of eight shooting, all in the paint. He knows where he can score. Like that's that's spectacular. The bad, we noticed. Minus 16 was Zion on the floor. His worst career, uh, plus minus. Uh, there's also some other, you know, he had 
three personal fouls. He had two turnovers. Uh, that's more uh, combined fouls and turnovers than he had combined assist, rebounds, steals, and blocks. He only had one. And the number of rebounds he had was zero. So that's those those are important notes when you realize that he didn't play the final seven minutes. I I, I know that there's you know there's the the easing him into it. I know that there's playing in spurts, but you've got to acknowledge maybe maybe Alvin Gentry did what he thought was best for the team. And it's hard to argue with with numbers like that that he's wrong. But of course they lost. So because they lost, you're going to pick it apart. And quite honestly, given where this podcast takes place where the large uh, portion of this podcast audience is, who cares that the Pelicans lost? This is a win for the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings got their first win of the restart last night, and they play their first game today when they open up against the San Antonio Spurs. We'll get to that in just a couple of seconds. A couple of other notes if you didn't, uh, if you weren't able to see the game. The Jazz outscored the Pelicans by 10 in the fourth quarter, and that's what this game came down to. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, outscored New Orleans 8-7 uh, to seven in clutch time after scoring 12 points. In the first three quarters, Donovan Mitchell really took that game over in the fourth quarter. And this has been a this has been an ongoing theme, by the way, for the Pelicans and the Jazz. In close games, the Pelicans are 12 and 25 in games that are within five points in the last five minutes. The Jazz, they're 26 and 11. Uh, Brandon Ingram had the NBA world talking in the first half. He finished with 23, solid outing from him. I believe he took the final shot of the game as well uh, on, of course, what didn't even look like a play. just wound up being an inbound Ingram pulling up to the three-point line and trying to get the win. Uh, He scored 15 points in the first half, 6 of 11 from the field. Uh, In the second, uh, not quite the same impact, 8 points on 1 of 9 from the field. So the NBA is back, and as we noted, the Kings uh, get their first win of the season uh, in a game that they did not play in. And these, this is going to be the reoccurring theme throughout the entire restart. We got to watch the Pelicans last night. Cool. Good stuff. It's what we needed to see. We got the outcome that we wanted. Now we're going to watch the Sacramento Kings take on the San Antonio Spurs tonight. We've been over this a million times. We'll go over it a million more before the game gets here. The Sacramento Kings have to win tonight. As a matter of fact, by the time the by the time we sit down for our next podcast to talk, the Sacramento Kings need to have won two games because they open up with the San Antonio Spurs and then they have a weekend game against the uh, uh, Orlando Magic. They have got to win both of those games to have to, to you know to continue. It's great that the Pelicans gave us one last night. It's great that the Pelicans gave the Kings one last night. And as we're waiting for the Kings game to start tonight, well, you've got you've got an interesting. Is what is the word conundrum here with the Grizzlies and the Trailblazers? Because those are the two teams that play each other. Who are we rooting for in this in this scenario? Are we just rooting for are we rooting for Memphis? So like Memphis can like I think is it a better outcome? Because remember with the Grizzlies, and actually this is probably a great segue into what John Morant said yesterday. With the Grizzlies, we just need to you know, you need to be within four. You get within four, you get the, you get the, uh, you get the playing game. But if you can get rid of Portland along the way, if Portland can lose a game, and the Pelicans have already lost a game, and now you can kind of, you know, keep an eye on what happens to Phoenix and Washington. Though I know I, I don't feel like people are really taking Phoenix seriously, nor 
you know, should you, even though they're, uh, they're not terribly before, far behind, you know, Sacramento, they're, they're far enough behind Sacramento. So I think we're rooting for Memphis tonight. And we would just rather teams like Portland and San Antonio and, 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 and New Orleans just kind of get knocked out of the way a little bit. But speaking of Memphis, uh, John Morant, I think, I think he is the first member of the Grizzlies to point this out. At least he's the biggest member of the Grizzlies to point this out. Is, or maybe this is the first time it's been pointed out on a forum as big as ESPN's The Jump. Um, John Morant said uh, regarding the NBA restart and the way that the setting is, or the seating games are set up for the Grizzlies, is he, he doesn't think it's fair for the Grizzlies. He says, quote, but you know, we can't control that. Only thing we can control is how we go out and attack each of these games uh, before that decision was made. Um, And so what he's talking about there is he thought that they built a, you know, three and a half game lead. Like he thought they built a nice little, little comfortable lead. And now it's essentially being erased. The three and a half game lead is nothing because you only have to be within four by the time the end of the seeding games get here. So they literally have no cushion anymore. Uh, They would have to get to four and a half games ahead of all of those teams that we just mentioned in order to just out and out make the playoffs, which is the position that they were in before the seasons shut down. And I, I know I'm not taking sides here. But he's not wrong. This whole this whole system has been set up to essentially eliminate the Grizzlies. That, that, that uh, maybe that's a bit harsh. The system has been set up to you had to give. I, I and I understand why you had to do it. You had to do it because you had to give every team an incentive to show up. It's kind of like what Dame Lillard was talking about many, many, many months ago. Where he was like, I, I, what, like, why would I, if, unless we have a chance to make the playoffs, why would I want to go play in meaningless basketball games? And the NBA gave him, well, you're not. The NBA gave him, you know, meaningful basketball games. And the Blazers have a chance. And the, and remember, it wasn't, I think it was the Blazers that voted against the restart because they thought there were better plans out there. In terms of them getting into the playoffs, what could have possibly been a better plan than this? Because if, even if they're just able to break even, they've got a great, great shot at getting into the playoffs because they're already in position right now, or at least they have a chance to, to earn a spot in the playoffs by winning back-to-back games against the Memphis Grizzlies. The team that is this is by far the most unfair to is the Memphis Grizzlies. I am in 100% agreement with John Morant, but again, I understand why you had to do it because if you didn't, if you said, okay, guys, we've got eight games, and you have to make up three and a half on the Memphis Grizzlies. Mathematically, of course it's possible. But that's not. I mean, three and a half games with eight to go? That's not going to happen. So I get, you, you had to give, like, what was the incentive for Sacramento to come? What was the incentive for Portland to come? And what was the incentive for San Antonio and, and, and for, for Phoenix? There had to be some sort of incentive. And the incentive you know, comes uh, to the disadvantage of the Memphis Grizzlies. The team who has just absolutely been crapped on for the last four and a half months as if they weren't the best 
of these, you know, final five teams in the Western Conference. As if they hadn't had the best record over the 65-game stretch, and you'll get, oh, but. They had the most difficult stretch ahead. Oh, but. They had to play the New Orleans Pelicans a couple of times. God. We play the, We look at these schedules and we play these games, and that's why if you're a Kings fan, you should be scared to death tonight. In fact, every time the Kings step on the floor, you should be scared to death. The only time you should be more scared is when the draft comes around. But as a Kings fan, you should be frightened tonight because we look at the schedule and we start to think, well, this is a, quote, winnable game. Dude, if those words aren't nails on a chalkboard for a Sacramento Kings fan, a winnable game. You know what was else? You know what else was a winnable game? Game one of the season against Phoenix. Anybody remember how that went? I know you do. Each and every one of you do. Anybody remember how the season started, by the way? Kings aren't known to get out to a fast start. If you recall, they lost five in a row to start the season. So man, it's it's we we use we we look at the schedules and we and it's and that's the thing with the Grizzlies. That's why I always like chuckle. I think when we had Marshall Harris on several weeks ago, he brought up, well, but the Memphis Grizzlies, they had the toughest schedule and the Pelicans had the easiest. It's like, ah, uh, we, we really look at these schedules and we we really pretend like this is college and we go with the strength of schedule. And we we talk about and we project, we project wins and losses. Well, this is a win. This is a built in loss. Well, this is a win here. And I'm guilty of it. We just did it. We just did it with the Kings. Spurs, magic, winnable games to start the season. Or to start the restart, I should say. To start the seeding games. Winnable games. And we know what happens in these winnable games. Sometimes they're, they're not so winnable. I'm fascinated by what happens with Memphis and Portland, though. Memphis has got to be pissed off. And they've got to know it's 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 literally Memphis against everybody. <laughs> they have got to beat, you know, the they've got to beat the Kings. They've got to beat the Blazers. They've got to beat the Pelicans. They've got to beat the Suns. They've got to beat the Spurs. It's one on five, and they are going at it. And I and I and I like the line. I I just feel like it's an extra chip. That's what he said. More fuel to the fire. More motivation for us. That's another quote from John Morant there. But that's who they got tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the Celtics and the Bucks are tonight as well, in addition to the Kings, the Spurs, and the Rockets and the Mavericks. That should be a good one. Another great night of basketball. Significantly more basketball than yesterday, uh, but another great night of basketball ahead. Several games on ESPN, several games on NBA TV. Of course, the Kings game will be on NBC Sportsnet. And if you want a nice little primer for the Sacramento Kings game tonight, you could check out the latest episode of the J Street Vibes with Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones. That dropped yesterday. As a matter of fact, check out all of the podcasts from the Be Heard podcast platform. A new episode of the Dope Ones is going to drop today. I hope you'll give that a listen. It's 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 a they're 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 conversations that venture far outside the world of sports. It's kind of the outlier here on the Be Heard podcast platform. For now, it's the it's the podcast that we have that doesn't deal in sports. It deals in a number of other things. So I hope you'll give that a listen. Uh, and of course, the Deuce and Mo podcast, which drops uh, every single uh, day, Monday through Thursday, 
Monday through Thursday. So if you missed any episode today, uh, go get caught up. Deuce and Mo and I had a very long um, Zoom call yesterday with some incredibly uh, bright students from the Sacramento Unified School District. And I can tell you this, man, the future of Be Heard uh, is incredibly bright. And the future of leaders in the city of Sacramento is incredibly bright after talking to these young individuals. It was quite the experience for all three of us uh, as we spent two and a half hours uh, talking to these students. And it was something that uh, I'm so thankful that they reached out to us after the Be Heard platform launched. And, and we're, we're hoping that we would talk to their students and they're going to be a part of what we're doing uh, moving forward, uh, as are many other podcasts that are in uh, production right now that we just can't wait for you to hear. Uh, so make sure you check out the rest of the podcast. Uh, and if you really want to get ready for tonight's game, check out the latest episode of J Street Vibes with Jason Jones and Kenny Carraway. Uh, here's a quote for you. Tell me who said it. We had a great visit with him at the deadline. We pushed to try to have a few more changes here and there to see if we could get it done. But he's got such a great outlook on the Dallas Cowboys, our football team, and he's ready to go out there and he's ready to win a Super Bowl, which would only create more value for him, more value for the Dallas Cowboys. So we're fired up about it and still have nothing but 100% belief in Dak and his future with the Cowboys. I know that I've, I know that you know who said this and that we can ultimately get a deal done. He's special. As Jerry and I have said, we are 110% behind him and ultimately feel like we'll get this done. Of course, that's Stephen Jones talking about Dak Prescott. I read this quote last night and I developed a theory. Um, and it's morbid and it's terrible. But I'm going to pose it to you right now and I'm going to whisper it so no one else hears. Is it at all possible that Jerry's dead and they're just not telling us? I'm being completely serious. We have not seen or heard from Jerry Jones in months. This Dak deal came and went, and we have not heard from Jerry Jones. The NFL was in turmoil trying to figure out how to get people to show up for training camp, how to get systems in place to where these guys are safe, how to get systems in place so they don't wind up like freaking Major League Baseball is ending up. Major League Baseball is at the point now where they just need to throw in the towel. Wait till you hear these stories we got coming up here in just a few minutes if you haven't heard them already. Nothing from Jerry. Nothing from Jerry Jones since the Black Lives Matter movement kicked into high gear at the beginning of June. Could he be dead? I'm serious. Where is Jerry? Why is Jerry in hiding? Maybe is he sick? Does he got the virus? Has anybody seen Jerry Jones? Have I missed it? Has Jerry spoken and I've completely missed it? When was the last time you went two months, over two months, without hearing from Jerry Jones? In a time where the NFL is on the front page of the news, front page, that's cute, when, <laughs> when the NFL is, you know, top stories in sports, training camp is underway, Coaches, players talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about taking a knee during the national anthem. No Jerry. No Jerry. Is it at all possible he's dead? You guys think I'm trying to be funny. I am dead serious. What if something happened to Jerry? 
And Steven's just out here. Oh, there's nothing to see here. Just moving along. Like someone's going to do an investigative report and realize, yeah, like, Jerry died like May 28th. This would be like an episode of what is, oh, what is that show called? Succession. Have you guys ever watched Succession? If you haven't, you have to. You've got to watch Succession. And you know what? I needed an extra week before the NBA restart started. Because I'm really close to finishing How to Get Away with Murder. Like I'm within like five episodes. But I only got to watch one last night because we had two basketball games to watch. And I don't, I, I, I avoid watching TV to the, d- during the day. I, but the, the way that I have structured my work schedule uh, to make sure that I kind of stay on point and everything gets done is I feed my girls at 4.30. And then we go for, you know, now because it's 4 million degrees outside, we go for a very, very short walk. They, they will stare at me until I take them out to walk. And then once we get out for maybe five minutes, they stop like dead in their tracks and stare at me because they want to turn back around because it's too hot outside. So we kind of walk to the end of the block. They run into this little empty field area. They go to the bathroom and we walk back and we're set. So I, I don't sit down and watch anything unless, of course, it's a basketball game or a sporting event before five o'clock. So I needed like another couple of days to finish How to Get Away with Murder, but I'm like four, four or five episodes away from finishing the entire series. I, 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 this, I like the show. It's not what I thought. The show isn't at all what I thought, but I, I, I really, really do dig it. I got a chance to watch a little bit, a little bit of the WNBA or Washington Mystics uh, improved to three and zero, which is really amazing. Like they're they're one of two unbeaten teams left. In the WNBA, the one is uh, the other one is one we were talking about uh, just a couple of days ago. One of the teams that we thought could be a favorite to win the WNBA championship, and that's the Chicago Sky. I point out the Mystics being three and zero, obviously because you know we have a tie here to the Washington Mystics, as we've talked about on many occasions. The Washington Mystics are also the reigning, defending uh, WNBA champions. However, the Washington Mystics are also without Elena Deladon, and this was going to be their first year with Tina Charles. Uh, but she got a medical exemption from the restart of the season because of some health issues, some some uh, potential issues that she would have if she contacted the coronavirus. So the fact that they're playing without two Olympic studs and they're 3-0, and not only are they 3-0, and but they have been balling. They're averaging 94.7 points, 94.7 points per game through the first uh, three games. That's the third most in WNBA history. They had 15 three-pointers yesterday. Uh, Ariel Atkinson's played phenomenal in her three-game stretch. Like, they, they're they going, man. Like, they are they are big time. And uh, if you haven't had the chance to watch the Washington Mystics or if you haven't had a chance to watch some WNBA this year, uh, give it a watch. It's readily available on CBS Sportsnet, NBA TV. There'll be some games this weekend on ESPN. I think I directed you to patreon.com yesterday. There's a new episode of Be Conscious out. I'll help you give that a listen. It centers on, you know, given the fact that if you watch a WNBA game, you see Brianna Taylor's name on every single jersey. Uh, I decided to do a episode of Be Conscious on her. So check that out. Patreon.com slash Damian Barling. Another major conference, another power five has come out with a schedule. This one Perhaps the biggest conference of them all. The SEC, the presidents and the chancellors on Thursday, approved a 10-game conference-only football schedule for the fall that begins September 26th. Now, this is the second conference to announce a conference-only schedule. The ACC 
did it as well, and I believe uh, the ACC uh, has Notre Dame thrown in to their schedule. Uh, the Big Ten, uh, a decision on what they're going to do is expected to be made within the next 10 days. Right now, the belief is the Big Ten is not going to come out with a conference schedule. Now, that's today. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated said uh, it's a fluid situation, um, but it appears that Big Ten is appropriately moving with significantly more caution than these other two conferences have. Now, I'm going to launch into a mini tirade here. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever that college football should be happening. Absolutely none. It's one thing for professional football players to waive medical rights. It's one thing for professional football players to collectively bargain things like a ramp-up schedule. It's one thing for professional football players to collectively bargain a potential opt-out and a payment for an opt-out should they choose not to play because of, quite honestly, the reason baseball, the reason basketball, the, agree, agrees, the, the reason the WNBA, the reason that, that the NFL are agreeing to payouts for opt-outs is because this is not safe. It's really that simple. It's not that safe. And we do not have a grasp of this virus at all. And we have to look like, we collectively as a country, have to look like the biggest idiots in the world because we're the only ones that can't seem to wrap our arms around this. And it's because we want to start football. It's because it's an election year. And, 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 and people want to force kids back into schools. And parents don't want to be able to teach their kids. Or parents don't have the ability to work their jobs and have their kids at home and give them the required however many hours of school that they're supposed to give them. Like, we're in a, we are in a, Brutal situation. And it's, and it's just going to continue. And, and, the, and the frustrating part for so many is, like, I can't imagine being a parent right now, whether you have to work from home and teach your kid or whether you can't work from home, but your kid has to stay home or has to be homeschooled or at least for a portion of the upcoming fall semester. And I think that fall is going to translate into the spring, and I think we're going to look at, ultimately look at a, you know, a year of homeschooling for most kids, rightfully so. I think it was one thing, well, it's March, let's just get through this, let's figure, you know, we'll figure it out, summer's almost here, we can get through the next couple of months, no big deal. It's, it's kind of like the NBA restart. It's like, you, you know, the, the homeschooling, you know, in the middle of March through the end of the year, it was like, all right, let's just, let's just get through this, we can do this. Same thing with the restart. Hey, let's, let's, let's get through this, we're in the bubble, let's, let's crown an NBA champion. It's a whole other ballgame when you're talking about doing an entire year of homeschooling. And that's what so many people are looking at. And now we're talking about, well, we don't know if we can let college kids on campus. We don't know how many college kids we can let on campus. What if we only let the athletes on campus? Well, what sports are we going to bring back? Well, they're only doing this. So this is the truly scary part. It's They're putting these schedules together because they want these kids to come back. And they want them to come back because they want to figure out a way to get fans into those giant stadiums. Philip Fulmer's brain dead ass in Tennessee said, oh, yeah, we're going to put 100,000 people in the stadium. He didn't say this last February. He said this a couple of weeks ago. You can put 100,000 people in Neyland Stadium? For real? Like, I don't doubt whether you can do it, and I don't doubt whether the people of Tennessee are stupid enough to fill that stadium. 
oh, well, it's football before everything else. And Knoxville strikes me as a potential hub for people who believe that this is all a work. Work is a wrestling term for a hoax. It's not real. Life is much easier when you use wrestling terms. Believe me. So we've got the SEC putting together schedules. We've got the ACC putting together schedules. That's two of the Power Five down. We've got the Big Ten. They're working on it. They're putting something together, though a decision hasn't been made as to whether they're actually going to implement it or not. I have so many issues with college football returning. I have so many issues with college sports returning. And, you know, I should point this out because I wasn't sure when this is going to post, but I think it is live now if you've been following on social media. Uh, the Lowdown reunited for an episode on Ken's podcast. Uh, Ken has a podcast out there uh, that he does with uh, his horse racing people, with HGTV. It's really, it, it, it's, it's really a great podcast. Um, it, it's opened my eyes up to a lot of different things about horse racing, things that you know, I've, I've learned from Ken uh, regarding that particular sport that I've never, ever been a fan of. Uh, but the three of us got together and we recorded what you know, we were on the phone or Zoom, if you will, for well over two hours. And I know some of it had to be edited down a little bit because of technical glitches that happened along the way. But uh, we recorded a podcast, and one of the things that we almost got, of course, of course, we almost got into an argument over was college kids returning to campus in, in, in playing sports during the uh, coronavirus or during, you know, during the COVID-19 crisis that we're in. Uh, so if you want to hear more, uh, because Ken uh, has different feelings than I do. And Jason does too. Uh, so you can hear that on Ken's podcast. It is linked uh, on Twitter. So check us out uh, at Damian Barling. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the top tweets there as I made sure Ken's podcast got out there. But it is available for you now. Uh, as we were talking about Major League Baseball a few moments ago, and we were talking about stupid things they continue to do, I believe a weekend series between the Phillies and the Blue Jays got postponed because two Philly staffers tested positive. Of course, Philadelphia played Miami this past weekend. This has been an absolute disaster, and Rob Manfred is useless. Like I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He is an absolutely, maybe he's a wonderful person. I believe Bud Selig was actually a crappy person and useless. Rob Manfred, I, 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 he, maybe he is a good person, but he is incapable of making a meaningful decision. He was incapable of making a meaningful decision when it came to putting up nets uh, to protect fans at stadiums, uh, and he seems to be incapable of making what feels to me to be the obvious decision, and it's throwing in the damn towel on this stupid-ass baseball season. Multiple games from multiple teams have already been lost because of the outbreak that happened within the Miami Marlins. The, the outbreak within the Miami Marlins happened because there was no clear protocol on what you should do should you have one or multiple members of your team test positive for the virus. That's Rob Manfred's fault. That's Major League Baseball's fault. And quite honestly, it's the Major League Baseball Players Association's fault. They have been a Excuse me. They have been nothing short of a clusterfuck since this whole thing has started. And they have not been able to get this figured out. And now we've got seven inning double headers on the docket. I'm sorry, what? Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association agreed Thursday to stage seven inning double headers starting Saturday because of what has happened with the Miami Marlins. Because the Yankees have now lost games. The Philadelphia Phillies have lost games. And now the Toronto Blue Jays have lost games. 
Meanwhile, folks up in Canada are just looking at all of this going, we told you. We told you. That's why we were not going to allow that crap into our country. Imagine being a country saying, imagine a country being so strong that they look at their sports teams and go, nah, dude, we're not doing that. They look at Major League Baseball and go, nah, fam, <laughs> we are not opening up our borders for you to track in a whole bunch of baseball players. We're good. Good luck with this, though. We'll be watching from up north. COVID-free. You know, relatively free. When was the last time baseball wasn't a disaster? Anybody know? Maybe the day they signed... Maybe the day they signed that useless piece of paper in which they agreed to terms of what would happen way back in March. It was like March 29th. That was probably the last time baseball was useful, even though we know that paper they signed wound up being worth nothing. Uh, Mike Trout is on maternity leave. Uh, Well, I guess for him it's paternity leave, but still, it's funner to say maternity. Uh, Mike Trout, uh, he noted on a number of occasions leading into the restart, he actually... I gave a lot of people uh, concern that maybe he would not be a part of this baseball season, and understandably so. Uh, his wife is set to give birth to the couple's first child. He has left the Los Angeles Angels and has joined his wife, Jessica, uh, to be a part of uh, the delivery process. She is due, uh, the article notes, sometime in August. Uh, the limit, according to uh, Major League Baseball, the limit for a stint on paternity leave is three days. Uh, so if she's due sometime in August, that would mean August 1st. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he, he left Thursday. Today's Friday. Tomorrow's Saturday. That's three days. I've got to imagine Mike Trout is going to be a little bit, uh, gone a little bit longer uh, than that. And he had concerns about this whole thing. So I don't know. Is this, is this his kind of first step out? Like, is he going to, is he going to come back? Maybe maybe it's a little bit dramatic to go that route. Like, is he going to come back, you know, this season? But I, I don't think he's only going to be gone three days. But I guess we'll we'll find out here soon because the third day is is tomorrow. Oh, by the way, I think that should be a new segment on the on the show because this is something I I completely forgot about. Oh, by the way, did you know that hockey is back this weekend? And it's not like a new season. They're restarting or not, you know, they're getting back into, uh, they're doing what basketball did. Like they're, they're, they're trying to crown a Stanley Cup champion. That's, that starts this weekend. It starts tomorrow. 24 teams are taking the ice in uh, Canadian hub cities. So, what, again, what does that tell you about baseball? What does that tell you about baseball that they were like, that, that Canada was like, nah. We're good. Like we're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna let you march, march. What is it? Not only does that, what does that tell you about uh, baseball? What does that tell you about America? That Canada is like, no, you cannot like bring people in and out of our country. Whereas they're taking in all of these hockey teams into virtual bubbles, uh, in Edmonton and Toronto, and they're like, yeah, come on, man, let's let's crown a ten Stanley Cup champion. One thing that we have learned so far through the WNBA, through the NBA, um. Gosh, maybe you could argue, maybe the ML, well, MLS had some struggles at the beginning, but it seems like the bubble concept worked. Uh, Canada, they did test, um, or not necessarily, not Canada, NHL, they did test on their players in Edmonton and Toronto. They came back with zero 
zero positive. So the so the bubble format works. Meanwhile, baseball is out there, you know, cluster effing their way through a season. We're getting ready to see the NFL likely do the same things, and hockey gets underway tomorrow. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals will be played in Edmonton. They're scheduled to start on September 20th. They're uh, going to conclude in early October. Um, uh, according to Caesar Sportsbook, the Lightning head into the qualifying round games as an 11-2 to favorite uh, to win the Stanley Cup, followed by the Bruins and the Golden Knights of Las Vegas. Uh, the St. Louis Blues... Uh, the reigning Stanley Cup champion. They uh, round out uh, the five shortest odds at 9-1, to one, while the Canadians have the longest odds to win among the 24 squads returning to action at one to, uh, 100-1. to one. The So the regular season is over. Um, 24 teams will restart. This is a little bit more confusing than what the NBA is doing, so I'll try to lay this out for you for people who might be excited about the return of hockey. 24 teams will resume. With teams seated 1 through 12 in each conference using points percentage uh, from when the season was paused on March 12th. The league will have a round robin between the top four teams in each conference to decide seeding in the first round games, while the 5 through 12 seeds in each conference will participate in a qualifying round that will feature best of five series to reach the first round of the playoffs. Did you, did you follow that? So there's a best of five series that'll get you to the first round of the playoffs. And the top four seeds don't have to participate in that. Got it? God, that's a lot. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure hockey fans understand it. Uh, we're done, man. We're done for today. We are done for the week. And we, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Beyonce, if you've got Disney+, Plus, uh, Beyonce dropped a, a a visual album, similar to like when Lemonade came out. I remember Lemonade came out on HBO. And it was this like, it was this like visual event. Um, it was pretty extraordinary. Uh, this one dropped on Disney+. Plus. So if you're a Disney Plus user, go check out the latest visual album from Beyonce. And again, make sure you catch up on the rest of the podcast here on our Be Heard podcast platform, uh, Deuce and Mo. They've got an episode Monday through Thursday. So if you missed any episodes, you can catch up on what they did today. Obviously, as you wrap up things here, if you want a nice little primer uh, for tonight's game with the Sacramento Kings and the San Antonio Spurs and a primer for the restart of the Sacramento Kings season, take, check out the latest episode of J Street Vibes. Of course, you can check out the latest episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball and hear my conversation with James Ham as well. You want to access any of the Be Heard podcasts, just search Be Heard in your podcast platform. All five of our podcasts will come up. Uh, plenty to listen to uh, as you get ready for the Kings and the Spurs tonight. Of course, we'll cover it for you uh, here on Monday. Have a tremendous weekend. Uh, we'll see you next week on the podcast with Damian Barling.